Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. Nick McEnzie, MIC, sponsors our show. and want to remind you that food insecurity is not new to Iowa. Before COVID, one in 10 Iowans was uncertain of their next meal. 70% of these folks had to decide between food and utilities. Food insecurity is double today. Triple for household with children. Heat or eat if you can get help or if if you need help, please visit foodbankiowa.org. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours. A busy program here today. Going to cover a lot of ground and go in a lot of areas. BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this. Our friend Chris Dobertine is going to uh, start things off. We'll go around college basketball with Chris Dobertine. He's a pretty good resource. Uh, of course, uh, bloggingthebracket.com, part of SB Nation. Uh, Chris will be here uh, towards the bottom of the hour. It's been a while since we've given the Des Moines Buccaneers any love. We'll do that just before 11 o'clock. President of the club, Nate Toit, will join us. We will. Uh, the Bucks are home this weekend, a back-to-backer uh, Friday and Saturday. There's a few weekends left in the regular season, but again, we're overdue to uh, to promote what they've got going on at Buccaneer Arena, so Nate Toit will join us at about 10 minutes before the hour of 11. To start our number two, Dave Sproul on Iowa State. Will tomorrow be, well, it better be, because they don't have any more options after tomorrow. Uh, they put one in the win column. We will go back to last night. We'll take a look at uh, uh, tomorrow Tomorrow's game, and maybe pick his brain on Jamie Pollard's seemingly tweet that came out of nowhere yesterday. Uh, we'll get into that, I'm assuming, and then uh, at 11:25, Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com, Hawks win and do so in convincing fashion. A lot of the roster played. Patrick McCaffrey and Joe Toussaint have an remarkable chemistry. <laughs> and then just before we skedaddle on out of here for well, you won't. You've got high school basketball tonight, but uh, we'll give away. Uh, we'll give four of our listeners an opportunity to win some Claxons barbecue, and we'll do that about 11:45. How are you? I'm doing great. This is a great time of year, isn't it? It really is. And it's going to get even better, Trent. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just—it feels like it's just starting. Of course, uh, Drake and you and I tonight at five oh eight. Good for the Panthers taking care of business. Although it was a little closer than I think a lot of folks thought it was mm-hmm. going to be. Illinois State led in that game. You know, thanks to the Hawkeyes and their blowout convincing win, it was a lot easier to give up on that game and switch over to where was it six seventy one? I think last night. Now tonight, if you're looking for the game, it's Marquee. Is it plus? Is that how they call it? The overflow? Yeah, yeah. 665-1. And likewise for 671 for Fox Sports Midwest. So it's there. You just have to dig a little harder uh, if you want to find Drake and you and I. And they will play at 508 tonight with one of the two in-state teams guaranteed to punch the ticket to the semifinal tomorrow. And that'll be at 3 o'clock Saturday, the semifinal. So it'll be the, the second one. Yep. Yes, it'll be them against the winner of the 3-6 matchup is uh, who they will get in that one. Which is Mo State and Valpo. Most state Valpo. Most state's talented. Yeah, Valpo beat uh, the dogs, anyways, yeah. as we know. Uh, Valpo, pretty good team. Made a run last year of the championship uh-huh. game. So, you want to start there? What, what do you Wherever think? Whatever you want. I don't care. We've got three games to talk about. Let's. Uh, we can do the good, the good, or the bad. Let's go with the dog. Okay. Doggies against the candies. Uh, yep. That. 
I'm wearing my UNI gear today. I see that. Now you've got a green Minnesota North Stars <laughs> yes. hat on. The throwback, by the way, just a tremendous jersey. And their retro jersey that the Minnesota Wild is wearing, if you're a hockey fan, I'm sure you've seen it. It's the best of the bunch. It it's, is. It's not even close. Just bring it back. But the green and the purple. Trent, uh, when you walked in here today, I thought that um, <laughs> that I, I was looking at an Easter egg. Yes. <laughs> you're colorful. I know that uh, it is dubbed Des Moines' hometown team. Yep. But it is the alma mater. Oh, I get it. And there's 10,000 of us living in this city. So, you, you know, know that what? number's been around for a while. I wonder if it's grown. It's good. Because 10,000 has been a number, of, you know, going way back. Yeah. 15 years ago, Seaman was, was. We the get number. the alumni letter and then asking for money mm-hmm. a couple times a year. And that's still the number that's usually thrown out there. It's right around okay. that number. So it's, it's a big chunk of people yeah. here that graduated from you and I. And the only reason... The most vocal of which, JT the nut. <laughs> yes, there's a good one right there. The only reason that I get a little bit annoyed at times with the Drake fans is an experience I had at the Knapp Center right when I moved here. It was the... So what year? Well, I moved here 2006, 2007, but it was during the run, okay. the 2008 run. Yeah. And this group of Drake people were talking down to us public Mm-hmm. students that didn't get to go to a private school it didn't have daddy pay for their no it just really and i said is this what drake is all about and ever since then that has just always stuck with me so that part of it the fan part of it that's where the rivalry i guess part of it is I'm not going to lie and say it's a big deal and that I'm really, that I hate Drake because of it, anything like that. But it did How stick with me. How can anybody hate Drake? Right. It, it just the looking down at the nose of you having to go to a uh. public university. How dare you? We went to Drake, the Stanford of Central Iowa. I mean, come on. It's a nice regional university, but that's also sometimes blown up how great of a university it is. It just annoyed me at the time. Other than that, I got nothing with the rivalry, but I'll be rooting for the purple today. And uh, if you'll be betting the purple, how many points are you going to get? Six and a half? Is that what I saw? Did you see my tweet last night? Uh, well, yeah, I saw it this morning. Yeah. I didn't see it last night because you tweeted it at about one thirty in the morning. Uh, I was up late on the bicycle night. again, were Yes, you? yeah, I got to get those reps in, All you know? Right, yeah. So it opens up at eight and a half at one shop. I think it was the Westgate, and six at the other. It's a pretty big difference. I don't remember seeing two openers be two and a half points off in college basketball. Mm. I can't think of it, at least. Is this what we're going to see, though, with conference tournaments? I guess in the past I haven't tracked it that Well, who closely? was first, Trent? Because you know how they are. Right. Really, a lot of them wait for somebody to go public and then watch what, how they adjust their line before they post theirs. They being other books uh, in Nevada. They don't want to you know, be first because what if they make a mistake? And what if there's a bad line and it instantly gets attacked? They'd rather let their competition do the heavy lifting. And once it seems to settle, then that number goes up at their place. That's how it works. I'm looking across the board right now. Six and a half is the consensus number. Every book in Vegas from the South Point to DraftKings to Bill Hill, Bookmaker, on and on and on. Uh, Circa, Westgate, all have six and a half. But the first one that released it, it was da, 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 line history. It was the Westgate that actually was in front of Circa that opened it up, and they were the ones that had it at six and a half, and Circa had it higher. But they've all settled at six and a half. I'm grabbing those points. All right. Give me the points. Points I liked, your I liked what we saw from you and I last night. In a game well, where Fife was terrific. He was. In a game where you go 0-13 to start from three, you yeah. think of Ben Jacobson coach right. team, they got no chance. What was it? It was like uh twenty-one or no, it was more it was like twenty-nine minutes into the game they hit their first three. You're right, mm-hmm. they were 0 of thirteen. 
It was 20, there was, I don't know, 10 minutes and 58 seconds of memory serves. And it was Noah Carter that did it. Yeah, had from a big, the corner. Yeah. Had a big dunk later in the game yeah. to extend their lead. Beating a team three times in a week. That's why I thought it was trouble. Now we got a backdoor cover out of it. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness with that layup with two seconds left. Good job, Illinois State, to get the cover. I think they got a performance. And what does is Jacob, last year figuring? Th- and that's what I was going to bring up. Does Jacobson even bring that up? Is that when they're going through the scouting report, maybe there's a tape of yeah. a dunk or a three late in that game? Because the roles were reversed last year. They were. And uh, the the uh, the Bulldogs uh, ended any hopes that the Panthers had. I don't know. If, uh, I mean, certainly if um, you know the guys are all back, uh, it's it's going to be fresh in their mind, mm-hmm. perhaps, or they'll be they'll get a reminder of it. There, yeah. There's no doubt. You remember that bad taste from last year? Well, let's reverse that uh, and, and and do that to the dogs. So uh, that's coming up tonight at five oh eight. All right, let's go to the let's go to Carver Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. We'll save Iowa State for the end because uh, it just I mean, there's not much you can really say other than the fact. I mean, it's, it has to be absolutely humiliating for a kid, Trent. And no offense to you and your body type. Yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. this kid looked like you, right? Right. right? Um, a short, portly man. Right. It comes in and draws a charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and just got eligible yesterday morning. So they This went, isn't a walk-on. This isn't a kid that was a good high school... No. This guy was a student manager. He's a student manager. And they made him eligible yesterday. I guess because Beard thought, well, we're going to blow this team out tonight. We're going to give this kid a solid. Mm-hmm. So you're eligible. And if things go the way I think they're going to go, not only are you eligible, but I'm getting you out there. That in a second. Let's do Iowa. Because, I look, Trent, and you said it when you walked in. I think that was the first thing that you uttered this morning to me. Not good morning. Uh, how are you? How was your night? How in the hell did that team beat <laughs> Rutgers by 20? That's a great question. They have two guys that had to look at the basketball when they're dribbling. Right. They, they're, they are awful. Why would you put money on this team? Right. I did. I had, I had 17 and a half. Yeah. They are so bad. Rutgers is a good team. Yes. And they just beat them by 20 this week. Mm-hmm. Within the Monday. last... That happened. Yeah. That happened in a real live college basketball game. And it doesn't make a lick of sense. How does something like this happen? And is it? Is it more than anything, this team is just done? What is it? They played... 13 games the last in 27 26 days or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, something ridiculous like that. And credit to them. Mm-hmm. And credit to Hoiberg. Because they were better coming out of COVID. Mm-hmm. Look, they're not great. No. But they had their best moments of the season coming out of the COVID shutdown. Put it that way. They had a couple of wins. They had Illinois on the ropes. And if they could make a free throw to save their life, Illinois would have lost the basketball game. And Io wouldn't have been able to uh, do what he did uh, in overtime. Um, they're better. But last night, Trent, good God. I mean, Bohannon couldn't miss. How about the chemistry between Toussaint and Patrick McCaffrey? And we said that before, but again last night, that's something to behold these two. It is. Those two guys off the bench, and what a difference maker both of them can be because of the way without what they have in the backup court with no Jack Nungy. Mm-hmm. It changes the way that those guys have to play, and probably the minutes that they're both going to have to play going forward, especially if there is that game where Luca gets into foul trouble. And there will be. It feels like it. it's inevitable that mm-hmm. it has to happen at some point, and it also feels like Frayne's going to have to make that choice. There's going to be the two foul, and now with no Nungy to rely on, 
what is he going to do? Well, he'll sit him briefly, but he won't sit him for the entire what, what's ever left in the first. You just can't. He just can't. The gun delay, although you see that thunder dunk yes. that he had last night? I had flipped over to the Holy. UNI game at that point. Now, I'm with you. I, I saw it on Twitter after yep. the game, but boy, oh boy, that was a rim rocker. And doesn't it look like he has lost weight? Yes, that, he has, for sure. That he has lost mm-hmm. weight, and uh, after he does the dunk, he's raising the roof, and the guys on the sideline are laughing. Now, and did he get teed up for that? He Is didn't, that what it, I saw? Well, it looked like the ref almost wanted to, so he has the two-handed jam, and then he slams the ball as it's coming through the net, and it hits the official in the chest, and it almost looked like the official was about to team up. Yeah. It's a 40-point game. Let's just right. get, out, Let's of get here. out of here. Sure. Let's move on. But then he's raising the roof afterwards. I saw Connor. He was over there laughing, raising the roof with him. It, those are the kind Having of games. Having some fun. Yeah. And this team is peaking at the right time. Well, I hope so. I mean, Sunday we'll know a lot more about him mm-hmm. because Wisconsin at least have a pulse that they're sharing the floor with. Look, we said in a perfect world yesterday, Garza would play somewhere about 30 minutes and he'd be out. We thought the same with C.J. Frederick. Now, C.J. Frederick played eight minutes, but mm-hmm. here's the concern that comes out of that game. As he limped off the floor, he came back. Uh, but didn't get back into the game again. But he was on the bench. It's a, it's an ankle, apparently, or a right foot somewhere in that vicinity. How serious? We'll talk to Tom Cakert in an hour and ten minutes. Maybe he'll know more. But they need C.J. Frederick. We see when, when um, C.J. Frederick is bringing to the team what he brings to the team. They're a different team. Yes, they and are. they need him, and they're better with him. On a night where Connor McCaffrey couldn't hit the freaking ocean if he's standing on the side of a boat. I mean, Trent... That was as bad a display. His first three that he shot might have been one of the worst of the season. That's hyperbolic. There's been a lot of them. But uh, he had a bad shooting night. And here's what we're going to see, Trent. And we talked about this. He's going to have to periodically make those shots. He's just not going to bother guarding them. You know what? You make your three. We're going to give you that. But he does so many other things. I mean, this guy. He had eight assists. Oh last night. my God! Yeah. And some of those eight assists were highlighted. Not not Garza's finish or we or Wieskamp's finish. Whoever was the one that was actually you know getting credit in the box score for the points. It was the pass that I want to see the highlights. Just remarkable. My other takeaway. Well, Jordan Bohan. We didn't even get to him. Yeah, who couldn't miss? Ties a career high with eight three pointers. Mm-hmm. Running down. You know who at the top of the Big Ten all time three point list is. My buddy asked me this last night, and I was way off. I don't off. know. John Diebler. Really? Yeah. I, I remember excellent I remember shooter. the name, yeah. My guess was Joe Crispin of, I, yeah. of Penn, Penn State. State. He's like yeah. ninth, I think, on Didn't the list all time. he do Big Ten Network? Yeah. yeah. yeah Does he still? Yes. Yeah. He's on there from time to time. Okay. Boy, I hate seeing Ben Brust, by the way, at BTN. Mm-hmm. That guy sucks. Mm-hmm. I hate that guy so much. But <laughs> that aside, um, yeah, he is now, I want to say after the eight three-pointers last night, he's got a chance to catch Diebler, though. The How all-time many? leader. I want to say it's like 22 away now, something yeah. like that. Go on a run. So you got one regular season game. Yeah. Say you get two yep. in the Big Ten tournament. Two in the NCAA. Three. They get to the Sweet 16. Okay. So there's three. So that's six games. Got to average three and a half four. a game. Yeah, four, win- four breaks it. Four breaks it. And it's there. It's there for the taking, it's of course. Within you get the to a realm final four. Possibility. That means you played at least five extra games in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But we will get there eventually, right? Uh, both of the Murray saw significant action. How you about- like Chris? Yeah, I can He's see bouncy, why, right? I, yeah, I can see why people are excited about mm-hmm. him. Uh, look, Keegan is. Um, how about this picture of, of 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 pops with just settled? Did you see yes. that as part of the broadcast? That was terrific. One final thing, I uh, another tweet from me last night. You can follow me at Trent Condon. Are you accepting new Twitter followers this week? We are open. Well, oh, good. We are yeah. open. Yes. So yeah. uh, at Trent Condon, hit me up. This one, 
I was most upset at Big Ten victory since 1995. Five technicals were called in the win as they beat Northwestern 116-77. My two favorite parts. Now, first of all, 95. You were on the air? No, 96. 96, okay. But you were in Iowa? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember this game? This is when the gorilla ran onto the court. So a guy dressed up from the student section, a gorilla outfit, runs onto the court, goes by about... Knocks over Montier Glasper as he's running on the floor. He had a mini like jam ball, one of those small basketballs. Yeah. His buddy lays on the court on his hands and knees so he can leap over him, try to dunk. Like the Suns mascot? Yes, he's about a yeah. foot short, falls on his back, and then is arrested promptly. <laughs> Technical foul was called against Iowa that. as Iowa went up win 16-77. But here's the best part. Jess Settles, speaking of him, that's why it popped yeah. into my mind. He says after the game this, quote, Jiminy. You go, you've got apes running all over the place, said Hawkeye forward Jess Settles after the lopsided victory. He's the most famous guy in Iowa. He's more famous than Hoiberg. How about that full circle? Really? Wow. Yeah, and, and Hoiberg was part of the picture that, that yeah. we were referencing earlier. Uh, good stuff. I don't remember that. I, I don't from 1995 anyways. All right, so let's get to Lubbock last night, and it was a game for a while. Uh, it certainly didn't, um, you know, there was a part of, of the game, and you're wondering, oh, my gosh, they're going to lose by 40. <laughs> um, I truly felt like that yeah. was going to be the situation. Now, um, they didn't. It was, what was it, 27 or 28 uh, in the end. But, Trent, the it, I mean, it's just, just humiliating that this kid is able to get into the, Larson, right? Tyler Larson, Trevor Larson. The fans were chanting his name, the manager. Larson. Lar- wasn't it Larson? I think it's Ty Larson, whatever, the manager in the white T-shirt. Uh, I, again, um, he looks like... Where would you put him? Ty at? Larson. Ty Larson. If if again, I'm am I sounding like I'm body shaming? Okay. Um, where 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 if you, if you putting together a slow pitch team? Where would he? Where where, where position he's catching. would he? He's catching. Yeah. He's catching. Yeah. yeah, that's a good spot for him. Maybe right field. Maybe. Yeah. Too short for first base. Right. Trent. He's got a rocket. He can play third. <laughs> that's what I play. He's on the he's on the he's on the floor. Uh, the crowd was chanting his name, and they were rewarded. And he gets into the game. He didn't get a shot. Nope. But there was a sequence at the end of the basketball game. He takes his place right, right in the middle of the paint, and he stands there. I don't know which cyclone bowled him over, but the call went his way, and the place went bonkers. And then after the game, when the final buzzer went off, the, the entire Red Raider bench, they had more fun with their, te- with their student manager, Larson's role against Iowa State adding to the humiliation of what is the 2021 Big 12 base basketball slate uh, by putting him into the game. It was just just another chapter in what is this um, what is the season. Now there's one big chapter uh, that remains to be written and I go ahead, you want Well, people are equating this to Rudy. Yeah. This is more ridiculous than Rudy. This is like the guy that got the towel for Rudy. Right. Rudy was part of the team. He practiced for four right. years. Well, three years. Two yeah, years. Yeah. He was He's scout out there team, right. Every single day. Yeah. Getting beat up. This guy is getting Gatorade. He's <laughs> yeah. running and yep. maybe grabbing a textbook for somebody. Mm-hmm. This guy Yeah, he's wiping he's wiping the chair down with the towel. Most walk ons at high level D one programs, these are guys that are averaging twenty five a game in high school. These guys are good basketball players. This dude yeah, I don't know. Maybe he played. I don't know if he did or he didn't. But it's just, 
that, that whether he did or didn't is uh, that doesn't matter for the conversation. Just the fact that they made him eligible yesterday in anticipation that they are going to blow the Cyclones team out and he's going to get an opportunity to play. So my 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 choice, my my guy that uh, when, three weeks ago. Let's be first, Trent. Let's mm-hmm. figure this out before everybody else. Does. I started with Archie Miller. That was right. my first. That was your first. And Leaving Indiana before he gets fired, mm-hmm. and, and that could happen. And it could happen. It, it absolutely could happen. Do the McDermott. Do the Alford. Get out before yep. you get fired. Yep. Could happen. And so then it was my turn, and I was looking for a you know mid-major coach that might catch fire, and I, and I came up with Nico Medved. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and look, it, he was here one year. He was Valley Coach of the Year and then gone to Colorado State, and Colorado State, don't look now, is a tournament team, and they're having a lot of success, and Medved's going to get a big job. But, as I was reminded yesterday, Nico Medved, is a Minneapolis guy. Mm-hmm. Nico Medved is a graduate of the University of Minnesota. Little Ricky Patino, his seat is burning hot at this point. He is going to lose his gig. Medved is going to do whatever it takes, I think, to be the next coach of the. That's his dream job. Yeah. The Minnesota. That's his alma mater. That's his alma mater. That's where he wants to go. So. Scratch that name off. Medved, no longer on my list. I'm going to go back to Thad Mata, despite the fact that the rumors are that he wants to coach. He's made it clear that now is the time for him to get back into coaching. You said he's 53 when we yes. looked, right? 53 the other day. Um, Indiana, Penn State, couple of Big Ten outposts are rumored to be his preferences. I don't know. Um, the other name that was, I mean, John Beeline is a really good coach, mm-hmm. a really big name. If he's interested in coaching, he's the first call, despite his age. I don't care. So one thing, uh, Heather came in before the show, and we were bouncing around some different ideas. And with the Beeline connection, my mind went to who Michigan was already really good before Luke Yaklich got there, but he was his defensive coordinator and really shored up what Michigan was defensively. I remember you talking a lot about him. Because what Michigan was under Beeline initially and what they were when Beeline was at West Virginia, they ran almost exclusively 1-3-1, and they weren't very good at it. Mm-hmm. They were not a very good defensive team. Always great offensively. Kind of like Fran McCaffrey's teams. Great offensive team. Eh, defense still figured out maybe. That's what they were. But Yaklich came in and they were outstanding. Well, after Beeline went to the NBA... Yaklich, some people thought might get the Michigan job. That wasn't the case, as we know. He went down to Texas and helped out Shaka Smart last year. I thought he was still on that bench, but he's at UIC now. Illinois-Chicago is where he is. He's the head coach there now. Because my thought was, if you bring Beeline in, you also bring Yaklich with him to be the head coach in waiting. Mm-hmm. And you can sell a lot easier mm-hmm. to the recruits. Right. Yes, your coach is 68, 69 years old. And that's but, going to be a big, a big negative recruiting p- talking point on the recruiting trail, for sure. But this is the head coach of yep. waiting. When he does retire, yep. this is the guy, and Yaklich would do a lot of, of course, the recruiting. Mm-hmm. But now as he's the head coach already at a Horizon League, he's not coming to Iowa State to, to, be, enough, a st- uh, to be a coach in waiting, if, is he? If he's got a promise, if there's a timetable. That changes it? Maybe. Maybe. I wonder how much he's making there. Oh, Look, here's the thing with Beeline. I don't think that there's a buyout. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hoiberg stuff, look, when did Sipple join us? On Wednesday? It was Wednesday. Yeah. I didn't realize Fred Hoiberg's buyout is $10 million. So for the Cyclone fan, of course you want Fred Hoiberg to get, come back. I get it. I get it. It would be great for our business if Fred Hoiberg comes mm-hmm. back. We want Fred Hoiberg to come back. But $10 million, five to Prome. To get him to leave town, right? 
So that you're so you're hooked fifteen. What do you got to pay, Fred? Three, three and a half, four, three and a half, probably. Yeah. So so now you're hooked eighteen. Now you got to get the you're hooked twenty million dollars before you take the floor the, the floor in November of next year. In, in this time, in, in this period of our lives, that's a big nut. So you got to. I think you have to look elsewhere. I don't think Hoiberg is realistic because of the ten million. I'm not. He's got the. He's got a. As you pointed out. A phenomenal recruiting class coming in. He does. With a couple one of the five-star. Pa- one five-star, two. A one five-star, another top 75 kid from California, and one of the top 10 Juco players in the country coming in. So he's got a great recruiting class coming with him. Now, could he, could he switch those? Are they, I mean, what, what is it about Lincoln that they're, that they're right. going to be attracted to that they couldn't find in names? Well, the, the five-star, his brother's on the team. Well, there you go. There's yeah. the answer to that then. Uh, well, maybe his brother transfers over. Maybe it's a two-for-one deal. So <laughs> it, it, there, there's going to be a choice. But let me ask you this, and we'll ask Dave Sproul this. So late in the afternoon yesterday, I believe, um, middle of the afternoon, whatever, Jamie Pollard tweeted out the, the commitment to student-athletes and how much a five-year, how much the total investment is for Iowa State on student-athletes. I mean, the timing of it. I didn't get the tweet to begin with. Is Brees Hall? I mean, if was Brees Hall asked, if, "Do you mind if we use your name, image, and likeness on this uh, on this poster that we're putting out?" What's he trying to accomplish by this tweet? Is he trying to deflect from his basketball program, his men's basketball program? I mean, what? Why would he tweet out that the investment is over a half a million dollars in each student athlete, which includes, by the way? Getting these student athletes to their competition, so he's charging them plane fare in this spreadsheet that he's coming up with. Shoes? How much? You lo and behold, heaven forbid these kids want to eat after they play. Well, yeah, nutrition—that's a part of it. Yeah, that—that's part of this hundred thousand dollar a year investment. It's pretty clear that he's against name, image, and likeness. Oh, there's no doubt. Very clear, yes, right? Yes. And and his previous. But why yesterday of all times? I'm trying to figure out the timing of it. Why he would do it, and. What's he trying to say? I, I don't know. That's, I don't know. That was the part. This is enough, kid. You don't need any more. You get plenty. And there's a lot of people that believe they get mm-hmm. plenty. There's a lot of people that do. Because after all, they've got student loans. Yes. Right. And um, your your lab coat's not hanging up at the, uh, the, at the bookstore available for purchase. But number 28 is, um, I don't know what he's trying to do. Is it... Look over here, and then just <laughs> right. I'll handle next week after the season is over. I don't know. It that's about the only thing that would make sense on the surface. It felt disjointed, just a, not a good time to do it. Right? Why this comes out at this point? But you're exactly right. The name, image, and likeness. This is something he's not a fan. He is not a fan. Nope. Of. He and then he brings up the fa- his student athlete. Athlete. What did he? Do? Wasn't he a runner? Yeah, D3. I don't know. In Division Three, I'm telling you, taking a private jet to get down to Austin for a football game, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Going on a bus to Green Bay, to Kenosha. Right, to run through fields. Oshkosh. Yeah. A little bit different there. Uh-huh. Uh, different. D3, and plus at D3, you're not supposed to get any compensation. You can't even get a scholarship athletically yeah, at know. D3. 
let's slow down a little bit, JB, here. You and Brees Hall being on the same playing surface because you were both quote-unquote college athletes. I don't get it. It, it was I, weird. Think it, I think it has to be a deflection. That's the only thing. That's yeah. the only reason I can figure out that why yesterday he felt that this is a perfect time for me uh, to send this tweet. Anyways, it's uh, time we get to a break. We'll come back. Uh, Chris Dobertine, SB Nation, uh, blogging thebracket.com uh, will join us. Some big games this weekend. What do they mean? Uh, obviously, question numero uno for him is how far Drake has to go in this thing. Uh, if they get to Sunday, is that enough? So meaning if they win today, if they win tomorrow, is that enough? Or is there going to be a lot of sleepless nights uh, for the uh, for the Bulldogs and their program? We'll take a time out. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Marketing. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial, about 25 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock. Des Moines Buccaneer President uh, Nate Toit will join us in 15 minutes. Right now, Chris Dobertine joins us, blogging the bracket part of SB Nation. It's a busy time of year for Chris. We're grateful that he found time for us. Thank you, Chris. How are you? Trent and Ken. Hey, it's uh, great to be with you guys. Uh, just watching St. Bonaventure Duquesne. It's kind of one of those days where things are really starting to heat up. Indeed. And we're what, 25 minutes away from the Valley and the number one seed in the Valley in Loyola. And uh, they'll start, they'll begin their uh, play. So, yes, indeed, it's a wonderful time to sit in your couch and watch college basketball. And if you live in a state that you're allowed to do so, to fire on college basketball, as my partner does. So uh, what's the biggest game this weekend? Um it takes us a lot of directions, obviously. Regarding the tournament, if, is there one game that maybe will mean more, maybe unfair, um, than any of the others transpiring this weekend? Well, I think the one game that you kind of want to keep an eye on when you're talking about the top of the bracket is the game on Saturday between Ohio State, Huge. Illinois, yeah. Columbus. Yep. Um, because Illinois has really, I think, kind of submitted themselves as the fourth number one seed after the way that they took apart. Uh, Michigan on Tuesday night, and Ohio State has been slipping a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, Ohio State, I think, is really going to have to be in position to kind of take care of Illinois, you know, so they don't slip further behind, you know, Iowa, speaking of Des Moines, speaking of the Hawkeyes. That's a team that's kind of gotten itself back in position. They're the third number two seed right now. If Ohio State loses, they're going to probably end up being, you know, the second number two seed at that point. Uh, provided they take care of Wisconsin on Sunday. So so that Illinois-Ohio State game really has a lot riding on, you know, what happens on the top line and then, you know, going into Indianapolis where I think that, you know, you're still going to have a matter of four teams playing for potentially two spots on that number one line heading right into Selection Sunday. So you think that, uh, see, I, th- I thought earlier in the week, boy, it seems like the ones are set. Michigan's going to get a one. We saw him just take a part Sparty last night. Baylor's mm-hmm. not going anywhere, I don't think. They had a nice win over uh, the Cowboys yesterday, the Zag. So Illinois, the, the in your mind, Illinois is in the uh, most tenuous spot, I guess, if they're in order to try and keep that one line. Might Illinois be the team that... You know, people are focusing on to, uh, well, if we hope to get a be a one, we got to re- be rooting against the Illini. Yeah, I, I think so, just because Michigan, you know, has two losses still. They're right behind Gonzaga with zero, Baylor with one, Michigan with two. Yeah. So there's still a little bit of margin for the Wolverines. And the fact that, you know, Illinois still has two conference rivals in Ohio State and, and Iowa chasing them on the two line, mm-hmm. that's why they're probably in, in the rockiest position 
of the teams on the top seed line at the moment. Because of that, uh, Iowa, is it have to win the Big Ten championship, including a win against Illinois and a win against Michigan to get a number one seed? Is is that the only path for the Hawkeyes to get a one? I, I think so, because, again, the other fact that you want to keep in is the committee likes teams that win championships of some nature. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, you got three teams there that are going to win conference titles. So that fourth team, you know, you want to at least win your conference tournament title. And, of course, the issue always with the Big Ten is how much attention do they really pay to that Sunday afternoon right. 3.30 yeah. tip-off, you know, which, you know, we think back to a couple of years ago where everybody thought Michigan was going to win that game, move up to a four seed potentially, and their seed didn't budge. So, you know, they kind of – I think Illinois wants to at least get to that game and probably play Michigan, and I think that they'd be in good position. And I think Iowa, it's the same case. You want to get to that game and play Michigan. Uh, that is is what I think your absolute minimum needs to be, you know, either not Michigan off in the semifinal if you're the four seed, if you're the two or the three seed, get to that game and and play Michigan and you're going to have a shot. Chris Dobertine is our guest. Chris, there are very few regular season games outside of the Big Ten and the Big 12 when their schedules come out uh, that I look for. And one of them is, and it always takes place on the final Saturday of the regular season, uh, Duke, North Carolina. Usually, it's an incredibly entertaining game. We saw the first uh, the first game about three weeks ago, and it's usually good. And we can't wait for the rematch. And fingers crossed, we're going to see them in the uh, ACC championship uh, in, in another week because we just love these two schools and their blue bloods. Dot dot dot. So we get this game tomorrow night. Clearly, the stakes are much, much lower than they've been in years. Or are they? Because are you in this where a lot of folks are that if Duke doesn't beat. The Tar Heels on Saturday, the likelihood of them getting uh, to the NCAA tournament is win the ACC tournament or bust? Yeah, because if they lose tomorrow, they're at 11 and 11. They're at 500. You know, if they lose their first ACC tournament game, they're going to be below 500. You know, if they go, you know, one and one there, they're going to end up at 500. They're going to really be, I don't, I, even this year, I don't think the committee is going to take a 500 team at large. So they absolutely have to win this game tomorrow to have a shot. And North Carolina's not in a great position either, you know, just because, you know, they've kind of stumbled lately. You know, yeah, they beat Florida State, but then they go and they lose to Mar- you know, they lose to Marquette three games before that. You know, they lose, you know, at Syracuse three days or two days later. So this is a squad that, you know, still is kind of tenuous itself. And with the amount of other games going on this weekend that could make things interesting you know they're going to want to be careful not to lose themselves let's come back here to the local front you and i against drake coming up a year ago drake upset Mm. you and i in the quarterfinals now the panthers trying to do the same here today when you look at drake their profile the non-conference strength of schedule is not good the overall strength of schedule is not good a loss here i think everybody understands they're not getting an at-large bid does it take them getting to the championship game or is there another path of course getting the automatic bid would be the best thing for the dogs, right. but when you look at it, what do you think overall the profile of the Bulldogs and what it's going to take to get in? Yeah, I think they're going to have to at least get to Sunday. Um, the major problem with them is is when they've lost, they've been blown out. It's a similar story to Michigan State, really. Michigan State, when you kind of compare their profile, this was pointed out to, pointed out on Twitter last night by my friend uh, Kerry Miller, that you know if you look at their profiles, they're very similar, but Michigan State's computer numbers are down because they got blown out in a lot of losses. 
so that deflates their net. And it's the same thing that's happened with Drake. Not only did they lose it, you know, they lost to Bradley. Yeah, that was a close game, but they lost that Balpo by 17. You know, they lost to Loyola by 27. Mm-hmm. And that's really what's kind of knocked them down to, you know, the 40 range in the net where, you know, Loyola has a lot more room to, to, to give, you know, being in the top 20. So, so Drake has to really avoid that. And, you know, playing, you know, you and I, it's very difficult to beat a team, you know, three times in a season. Mm-hmm. So they have, you know, that little bit of a challenge coming up. You know, today, but at least they could be happy that Bradley is out of the picture. Yeah, indeed, after last week. Excellent point. I want to ask you about Kansas because. Gosh darn it. Uh, I hate to see it, but here they are again. They're playing really good basketball right now. Uh, Garrett uh, McCormick, I mean, they're, they're elevating this team. I, I don't think they're Baylor. I don't. We saw that game last Saturday. It certainly it wasn't Baylor's night by uh, any stretch of the imagination. But has Kansas closed the gap uh, on, on Baylor? Is I don't want to say Kansas is back as a threat, but... You know, are they one of those teams that if you're looking for a team, again, we're in a state where you can gamble that's 10, 12, 15 to 1, whatever. Might you take a close look at the Jayhawks because, after all, they're Kansas? Well, you kind of think about what happened yesterday when they played. Yeah, what was that? Scheduled game, and they struggled mightily. Yeah. And, yeah, if they don't show up and they don't play well in the first half like they did last night, I would bet everything against the Jayhawks because – I mean, honestly, I think when we have to look back at that game against Baylor on Saturday, you know, that was the Bears' second game back. You know, they played the Cyclones at home, mm-hmm. you know, looked really bad in that game, you know, still won, went to went to the Fog for their second game, you know, looked bad again, you know, and lost. And then they come back, you know, third, fourth game, you know, took care of West Virginia, Good you game. know, in overtime, mm-hmm. beat Oklahoma State yesterday pretty handily. So this is a, so I, I don't think we want to read too much into Kansas and then kind of look at their profile. Yeah, they've beaten the Baylor, beaten Baylor once. They've beaten Texas Tech twice. But then you look at the other teams that they've taken care of. You know, West Virginia they've taken care of once. Um, they they don't really have those kind of wins that Baylor has or that sheer quantity of wins. The quality's there. They don't have the quantity of wins. There's still some warning signs in that performance last night. Really, just kind of makes me think. I'm not sure I want to take Kansas going too far because if they have a really off half in the first or second round, you know, they're going to pay for it. Final thing for me, Villanova, the news comes out yesterday. Connor Gillespie, remember him Mm. as a freshman in the national championship game and Mm -hmm. now lost for the season. When it impacts Villanova, team I kind of liked. I thought there was some value on them, maybe in some futures markets. Not anymore without Gillespie. How does the NCAA committee, though, I know they have one regular season game left. Say they lose to Providence and then lose in the first round of the Big East tournament. How big of an impact is that going to make for them come seeding? Well, remember, the committee is going to look at what the roster looks like as it's going into the tournament. So that's obviously going to be a big hole. And if they lose those two games or say they go, you know, lose to Providence, you know, win their first game of the Big East tournament, you know, lose the semifinal. You know, I right now have them as a three seed. That's probably going to knock them down to a four or a five at a minimum, I think. Um, it's just going to depend on how they look in those games, and that's what the committee is going to judge them on, not on their past performance, unfortunately, in, in total. Chris Dobertine, bloggingthebracket.com. Chris, uh, thank you for doing this for you, uh, for us, rather. Um, perhaps we can do it this time next week. You're a great resource, Chris Dobertine. We'll reach out next week. Thank that you. That would be great. All right, we look forward to it, Chris. Uh, have a good weekend.
You too. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Chris Dobertine, bloggingthebracket.com, uh, part of SB Nation. See this little nugget uh, from the Washington Post? Emily Gambalvo. Uh, she must be a writer for the Washington Post. Big Ten presidents on Twitter. Big Ten presidents kept return to school football communications out of the public eye by using a third party platform that they view as exempt from open record laws. So all that, all the Big Ten mm-hmm. back and forth between the schools and the and and the uh, the league and the uh, the Big Ten offices that you would think you could file a. Freedom of information? Of course. Well, they realized that somebody would file a freedom of information and brought in a third-party platform to be able to avoid that. What are they hiding? I'd love to know. (laughs) Myocarditis uh, appears not to be the issue that a lot of... Folks thought it was going to be. Yep. What are they hiding? They're hiding everything, Trent, is the answer. Uh, So the Washington Public institutions. Gross. Yeah, transparency. Yeah. It's overrated. <laughs> uh, it's just past 11.45. We are going to talk a little bit about the Des Moines Buccaneers with our friend Nate Toit, president of the team. They have a game tonight. They have one tomorrow. We haven't given them a lot of love this season. We'll rectify that next. Uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, Dave Sproul on Iowa State, Tom Cakert on Iowa. Four of our listeners will get a chance to play for Claxon's Barbecue as we take you until noon on 1460 KXNO and 106. Woo-hoo! Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. All together all now. <laughs> Welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Our thanks to Stompin' Tom Connors. The good old hockey game, an anthem north of the border. Speaking of hockey, Nate Toit is the president of the Des Moines Buccaneers. They're in action tonight. And tomorrow, as they cling to the playoffs, boy, postseason, it's been a while, Nate Toit. It's right there for the taking. Does this feel like the year? Uh, well, I think there's still too much meat on the bone to uh, right. to, to, to make that comment. But I, I can tell you this. I can tell you that, um, you know, since bringing Scotty Owens into the mix here and uh, – you know, with his experience, with not only the Des Moines Buccaneers, but the USHL league in general, um, he's been a godsend for us just as far as uh, personnel-wise. And he's made some moves uh, for us that, uh, that the team has responded to. And Peter Menino has been mm-hmm. has done a good job to put the right guys out there on the ice on our power plays and penalty kills. And we've kind of slingshotted our way up the, up the division here and uh, find ourselves, well, last I checked, in second place. So... Yeah, it feels good, but we also know that it's uh, early March and we've got to go through the third week of April before we can do anything. It is retro night and uh, saw some pictures of the throwback uniforms for this weekend. Those things are beautiful. So fill us in on the details this weekend, Nate. Yeah, so we actually, this is something that, um, well, it's our 40th. It's our 40th anniversary, and depending on how you look at 40, you know, anniversaries, either by seasons or by years, we've kind of, 
carried this along for two seasons, as a matter of fact. But we wanted to do something last year uh, just to try to recognize, you know, the inauguration of the Des Moines Buccaneers in 1980. Um, And because of COVID, we weren't able to put anything together. And so we decided to kind of roll it back into this year. Um, sort of targeted this weekend as, as somewhat of a throwback or a retro night, if you will. And uh, so we, we did these jerseys uh, based off of the 1980-81 season. Um, the best, the, to the best of our knowledge, these jerseys were worn in from 80-81 and then 82-83. So uh, they turned out terrific. Um, you know, so we're going we're gonna to play some some 80s music uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, tonight and tomorrow night. We're going to wear these uniforms uh, tonight and tomorrow night, and then we're going to have an auction after tomorrow night's game, and and uh, the, the proceeds are going to benefit the Des Moines Buccaneer Booster Club. So it should be a good weekend. Such a sweet sweater. Did I ever tell you this, Nate, that uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame that's located in Toronto, there's a Des Moines Buccaneer sweater hanging in the Hockey Hall of Fame, a a shrine. It's, really? a, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. It really is. Yeah, and Des Moines Bucket, I toured it, I don't know, oh, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there, and I turned the corner, and I'd never been there before, and lo and behold, smack dab into a Des Moines Buccaneer jersey. Such a sweet, awesome. sweet sweater. That, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Really cool. Now, it really is. So let's get, uh, you know, the league had so many COVID um, disruptions, I guess, best way to put it. Back in when the season was getting underway, and of course the fall was a very difficult time uh, during the pandemic, seemingly things are way, way better now. But how difficult was navigating those waters at the beginning of the season, Nate? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody had their challenges in the, in the, in, in the entertainment industry, um, you know, and, and so, you know, not to what was us but you know i think the bigger challenge was you know kind of navigating throughout the summer last year when you're putting all the pieces together writing the protocols having the league calls um sort of trying to put a budget together on what a season might even look like and you know from a financial standpoint and from you know just from a from a fan standpoint and so you know, that, that was in the works. And then you throw the derecho ripping the roof off the place, right. uh, back on, uh, back on August 10th. So we're dealing with a pandemic and then we're dealing with a inland Jesus. hurricane that nobody's ever heard of before. Right. Um, we didn't really quite know what we were up against. And, uh, you know, we knew it was bad. And I, I gotta be honest with you. One of my first phone calls I made, uh, other than to my ownership group was to Chris Conley down at Wells mm. Fargo Arena. And mm-hmm. I know you guys. Uh, have Chris on yep. your show quite a bit, and those guys are just fantastic. They really are. And uh, um, between Chris Conley and Todd Fredrickson and the Iowa Wild, uh, you know, we were able to start to plot the ability for us to potentially play at Wells Fargo. And, um, you know, that that goes all the way back to, to late August. And when things started laying out and the USHL decided that we were going to delay the start of the season and push it from the beginning of October to the beginning of November – um, we felt pretty good about our situation with Wells Fargo, and we felt pretty good about our game plan to get Buccaneer Arena buttoned up and, and ready to go by the turn of the calendar. And uh, there was a ton of moving pieces. There was a lot of people involved in it. Um, it was a complete team effort. And then navigating the COVID situation on top of it, um, you know, it was, it was one challenge after the next. And, you know, the old cliche that you hear all the time in sport is you take it one day at a time. And that's exactly what we had to do, because just just as soon as you think you got it figured out, uh, something pops up and you got to pivot. So 
Um, it's, it's amazing that we are where we are. And uh, quite frankly, we've made up all the games that we've lost except for one, and that'll be made up on April 1st. So we're, we're, we're thrilled to be where we are. A look at the future. Uh, there's been so much talk about the plans, Merle Hay Mall, everything involved there. What's the latest on that front? What can you tell us? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously I think that anybody that's been, um, you know, in the in the Des Moines or Central Iowa area has, has seen a, a, a slew of these projects, you know, kind of come to the surface. And, and uh, you know, this is something that we've been working on for two-plus years uh, with Liz Holland up at Merle Hay Mall and, and uh, just trying to put this thing together. And, uh, you know, the fact that we were able to get some legislation passed last summer for the Iowa Reinvestment Act, um, that we've been able to work with some terrific partners, uh, architects alike, uh, to come up with this project in an area of uh, not only just Des Moines, Northwest Des Moines, Urbandale, uh, but Central Iowa. Um, you know, we feel we feel really excited and, and very good about this project coming in. And you know, it needs to happen if we're going to have any chance of growing hockey in yep. Central Iowa and the state of Iowa. That's just that's just the way it is. Yep. And even with the RecPlex going out in West Des Moines, which is a beautiful facility, and and of course we support them because the more hockey people that we can introduce to hockey, the better for everyone. You're here. Um, you know, it's it, it, eventually the, the the Metro Ice Arena is probably not going to hang in there. Des Moines Buccaneer or, or Buccaneer Arena is not going to hang in there. It's just, it's sixty plus years old, uh, so we need more sheets of ice. And so, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of opportunity uh, just outside of hockey of what it can do for North Northwest Des Moines for those folks up there, for the city of Urbandale, for us, and for youth hockey. And so. Um, you know, we're we're taking this again. We're taking it week by week. We feel like we've positioned ourselves pretty good, and we feel like the the community so far has has really responded positively to this project. And uh, so we're just excited to see, you know, what the next month or two brings, and hopefully by midsummer. Um, Fingers crossed. Construction on this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Nate, we're out of time. Uh, home tonight, seven o'clock. Tomorrow at six o'clock. Reach out again. We'll do this before the regular season ends. Love what you guys are doing down there, and uh, happy to help promote it uh, one of your uh, home weekends. Thank you, Nate Toy. Appreciate you coming on. Good to talk to you. Yeah, appreciate all the support, guys. Good to talk to you, Nate Toy. Hour two coming up next, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.